We are recording, Ian Bremmer. And Admiral Jim Stavridis, two great friends here to talk about a couple of big issues. Uh, and the first one I'm going to ask Jim about, which is the U.S. is announcing we're taking 12,000 troops out of Germany. I can't imagine you think this is a good idea. It's a terrible idea, and it's 12,500 troops, not to put too fine a point on it. And about half of them will go to other locations in Europe, probably Poland and the Baltic states. And the other half are going to come home to the United States. It's going to be very expensive, billions of dollars to bring them home. And then because we're not going to demobilize them, we have to pay for their basing back in the United States. So you're taking 6,000 combat-ready troops out of Europe. You are uh, disaggregating a, a strong force in Europe. You are encouraging uh, Vladimir Putin, who looks at this as confusion among the allies. You are upsetting the Germans extremely, and you're not accomplishing anything militarily. No, I don't think it's a very good idea at all. So, um, I mean, clearly a lot of this has been around pressuring the Germans to spend more but a lot of it's also uh, conveniently close to the election. Do you have any inside baseball sense on what's driving this conversation now? I think it's residual anger at Angela Merkel. I think a great deal of this is a result of animus that was developed between Chancellor Merkel and President Trump. And um, kind of parked in the middle of it is a former ambassador, Richard Grinnell, who's uh, long been an advocate of uh, hitting back at Germany it comes down to, are they spending enough in the eyes of the Trump administration? And here I agree, they should spend more. They should spend 2% of GDP. That's what they've pledged to do. But the places we're talking about sending the troops uh, are Belgium and Italy, part of it. They don't spend, they spend less than 2%. Poland is up around 2%. Some of the Baltics are, some aren't. This isn't a good way to run an alliance and over time, it's only going to weaken NATO and it strengthens uh, Russia. Hey, how about if I ask you about China? You ready to jump across the world? Yeah, absolutely, Jim. Um, so uh, Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State, gave a, I would call it a scorched earth speech out at the Reagan Library a few days ago, effectively laying out uh, a very aggressive stance, to say the least, toward China and making that the uh, zeitgeist of the uh, 21st century, it feels like. Am I overstating that? Not really. I mean, I guess I'm a little surprised that we're not taking some of those 12,000 troops and saying we're going to base them, you know, uh, uh, right, right off of uh, China's borders. Uh, sure. But uh, they're, they're separate conversations. Uh, look, P Pompeo, Navarro, I mean, there are definitely a number of, you know, uber hawks on China, but but broadly speaking, this idea that the Chinese government is not aligning with American institutions or values and increasingly is a competitor in lots of different fields is something that isn't just exercising the Americans, it's exercising uh, a lot of our allies too. And what's interesting is despite the fact that Trump is so disliked by so many allies around the world, uh, the number of allies that are taking a much more hawkish position on China, whether it's Australia or Japan or India, um, whether it's the UK or France or Canada, I mean, the, the, the Xi Jinping is clearly doing something wrong here. And 
while I wish that Trump's orientation was more multilateral, um, I think the general policy thrust of saying that we're not happy about uh, China's activities in a lot of different spheres, economic, security, technological, and diplomatic, not to mention the way they treat their citizens at home, um, is something that I expect we would see from Biden as well. I think you're right. Um, the way I uh, phrased it is, clearly, we need to bend the relationship with China. It's just out of whack in a whole bunch of different areas, as you mentioned, almost all of it as a result of Chinese activities. We've got to bend the relationship. But I think we better be careful we don't break it and have an inadvertent event, perhaps in the South China Sea, uh, lead us into a, a, a short, sharp war, as the saying goes. Let's avoid that. Let me ask you, sir, uh, Taiwan. How does Taiwan fit into your theory of uh, how this unfolds? Um, less problematically on the military side, because the U.S. isn't selling them anything beyond the kind of capabilities we have historically. But what's interesting on the Huawei point is the most important semiconductor producer for Huawei's 5G is based in Taiwan. Labs they have there and. And those guys are now uh, cutting off Huawei because we told them to. So uh, definitely this is, uh, this is all in the mix. And, you know, like you said, uh, we're trying to bend the relationship, but it certainly looks like it's getting a lot uglier um, in high politics season here in the United States. So uh, we're at the end of our six. Uh, Jim, always good to talk to you, my friend. My pleasure. And uh, let's have a tennis match after the COVID lockdown is over. Uh, Tennis is ready now. We'll do that. See you soon. (laughs) Say hi.